Hello and welcome to Stories from India, a podcast where we talk about myths, legends and folk tales from India. I am your host Narad Muni and I'm a mythological character myself. I have the gift of eternal life and knowledge of the past, the present and the future. By profession, I'm a traveling musician and a storyteller. So the way I'm doing my job is by podcast. In this episode, we are back to the Mahabharat. If you have not heard the previous Mahabharat episodes, it's a good idea to check them out. The links are in the show notes. Here's a short summary anyway. Bhishma, the crown prince of Hastinapur, gave up the right to the throne and the right to have any children just so that he could please his father who wanted to marry Satyavati. One tragedy after another struck the family. Satyavati's children passed away childless. Satyavati, Bhishma and Satyavati's two daughters-in-law were the only surviving members of the dynasty along with Vyas the author of the mahabharat himself was revealed to be satyavati's son he helped continue the family three boys were born pandu dhritarashtra and vidur pandu had health issues all his life and dhritarashtra was born blind vidur was perfectly healthy but his mother was not a princess and that ruled him out of the race for the throne pandu was crowned emperor when he grew up and as emperor he got to have two queens kunti and madri as opposed to dhritarashtra's wife gandhari what no one knew was that kunti had had a baby boy in secret before her wedding a child by the sun god karna who would go on to play a very important role later in the mahabharat the blind dhritarashtra's wife gandhari had taken to blindfolding her eyes permanently this generation was now facing the same hastinapur curse that each of the previous three generations had faced they had yet another succession problem gandhari was expecting a child no problems up to that point it's just that her pregnancy had gone on for two whole years which is a little too long and as for kunti and madri well pandu had an extra curse to deal with he had been cursed by a rishi that he would not survive if he ever touched a woman the rishi had cursed pandu with his dying breath because pandu had accidentally shot him with an arrow and that's where we'll continue the story today after 2 years of painful labor gandhari had just given birth to a baby but the baby was still born her heart broke at the thought grief and despair overcame her as she broke down sobbing dhritarashtra 
walked into Gandhari's rooms, whistling a tune, singing Happy Days Are Here Again. Gandhari, in her anger, threw a book at him. Obviously, Dhritarashtra did not duck. He was blind. He didn't know a book was being thrown at him. But ducking was not necessary anyway. Gandhari was wearing a blindfold herself, and she missed by several feet. Dhritarashtra seemed not to understand Gandhari's grief. So what if this baby was stillborn? You can have another, can't you? Gandhari would have thrown more things at her husband for this heartless remark. But he was saved by an interruption. The maid announced that Vyas was visiting. Despite the state that Gandhari was in, she still played her part of a perfect host. She welcomed her father-in-law as she normally would have done. Vyas expressed his condolences. How did you know? asked Gandhari. This only happened a few minutes ago. I'm the author, dear. I wrote this whole epic, explained Vyas. Then you are to blame for my situation accused Gandhari. You promised I would have a hundred sons. This pregnancy of mine lasted two years and I have nothing to show for it. Well, now, not nothing, said Vyas. He pointed to the stillborn baby. Realizing who his audience was, he explained, I'm pointing to your stillborn baby. He began taking out items from his briefcase. He had a recipe book, which had come in handy before, a whole generation ago, for Pandu, Dhritarashtra and Vidur's birth. This time, he took out an entire chemistry set, with a hundred test tubes. Immediately, he started working on it. First, he asked the maid to bring him a barrel of ghee, a pitcher of milk, a pinch of salt, a dash of pepper, some onions, garlic, ginger, and a hundred clay pots. Well, Vyasa's wish was command, as might be expected from the father of the emperor. But if people were expecting him to cook up a new dish, that's not what he was doing. He was trying to create the 100 sons that he had promised Gandhari. He mixed all the ingredients and stored them in the pots. Take care of these pots, he told Gandhari and Dhritarashtra. When you open them, you'll find your sons. Vyas had come a long way since the last generation, when it had taken him a lot of time and effort to get Pandu, Dhritarashtra, and Vidur. Now, he had unlocked the secrets of mass-producing children. It's a brave new world, he said. How long will it take for them to be ready? asked Gandhari, wearily. Two years, said Vyas. Then looking at Gandhari's face, which was less than enthusiastic, he added, that Gandhari and Dhritarashtra 
probably needed all that time anyway to set up a hundred nurseries, a hundred playrooms, and to hire a hundred nannies. But Gandhari was still not very happy. Upon pressing, she revealed her reason. I will have a hundred sons, but not a single daughter? What kind of message am I sending to future generations? The message you're sending is that Vyas is awesome at granting wishes. In fact, Gandhari, do you think I should advertise my services on some podcast or the other? Gandhari would rather not say, for fear of revealing that she had no idea what a podcast was. But Vyas had an idea. He took all of the leftover ingredients and managed to store them in another pot, a hundred and first pot. He assured Gandhari that the infant that would emerge from this one would be a female. Exactly two years later, Gandhari and Dhritarashtra were ready to open the pots. They were well aware that the first pot they opened would be the oldest of their children. The moment they did, they heard all kinds of noises all at once. In the distance, jackals howled, donkeys brayed, and vultures screeched and hissed. And if all that was not enough, the baby, who was named Duryodhan, cried. Of course, Duryodhan's cries, though loudest, were the least worrisome for the parents. Gandhari and Dhritarashtra had both been repeatedly warned by various astrologers that jackals, vultures and donkeys crying at a child's birth is not a good omen. It's a bad sign, not just for us, for the whole empire. There could be trouble, reminded Gandhari. Trouble? asked Dhritarashtra and chuckled sardonically. How can it get any worse? I was born blind. My wife is blind by choice. My brother Pandu is everyone's favorite. He got to be emperor. We had four years of waiting for our first baby. And yet, Pandu's son will want to be emperor, even though we are going to have a hundred children. One hundred and one, said Gandhari. You're right, said Dhritarashtra. I should count Yuyutsu too. He reminded Gandhari of her stepson, whom Dhritarashtra had fathered with Gandhari's maid. That's not whom I had in mind, said Gandhari. She felt her way to where the final pot was stored and opened it to reveal a baby girl, Dushala. And as Vyas had promised earlier in the episode, Gandhari had a hundred sons. Things were not as bleak as Dhritarashtra had outlined. For one thing, Dhritarashtra was emperor. Ever since Pandu had unwittingly killed a rishi in deer form, he had lived a life of misery. Thanks to the rishi's curse, Pandu could never even touch his wives again. If he did, 
it would mean the end for him. This thought depressed Pandu. Frankly, he was even surprised that his wives Kunti and Madhuri had insisted on giving up palace life and joining him in his self-imposed exile in a wild jungle. Kunti and Madhuri's presence did not help if he wasn't even allowed to interact with them. What's a guy to do if you can't be friendly with your only two companions? And no means of entertainment existed in this wild jungle. His one passion had been deer hunting. And now, deer hunting was such an unpleasant concept to him. After that incident with the Rishi. He figured that the only path forward for him was to try to ascend to heaven. Early retirement, in a way. First, he would have to perform some kind of penance to apologize for all the harm he had caused and to quickly reserve his spot in heaven before the gods looked too closely into his records of the time he had spent on earth. So he tried, but he was refused entry on the grounds that he hadn't done his worldly duties. To an ex-emperor like Pandu, that meant he had failed by not having any children to succeed him to the throne. As he sat brooding on this one day, Kunti finally approached him with a plan. It's like this. We both want children. We totally agree with that, right? She asked. When Pandu nodded, Kunti finally revealed her dark secret. Or part of it. I can have children through this trick that Durvas taught me. Durvas? No, don't do it, said Pandu instantly. That man is a menace. If it's Durvas who showed you what to do, it must be a nasty trick indeed. But Kunti assured Pandu that it was certainly not Durvas playing a prank on them. How do you know that? asked Pandu, suspiciously. Because I've tried it before and I had a baby boy whom I had to abandon, Kunti almost said, but chose not to. She wasn't yet ready to reveal everything. What do we have to lose anyway? she asked instead. Pandu meditated on this for a bit and finally agreed. He recommended that they start with the sun god. He's responsible for all life on earth. And he seems generous. So I think he'll mind the least. Not again, said Kunti. She quickly added, I mean, I see the sun in the sky every day. I'm not looking forward to meeting him again. And can you imagine how hot he will be up close? Look, I'm already sweating at the thought of it. She was right. She was sweating. But not for the reason, she said. It was because she was afraid that Pandu might discover her previous tryst with Surya. Especially if Surya were to show up and casually ask how their baby Karna was. 
Pandu seemed to buy that explanation. How about Yam instead? Pandu was not immediately on board with that. I don't know, the god of death? He can't have a very sunny personality. Think of all the people whom he meets. I bet most of them are far from cheerful. And that must rub off on him. Kunti pointed out that while that was the truth, it wasn't the whole truth. He's the god of truth, but also of justice. We can expect him to be fundamentally fair. Is there justice in this world though? asked Pandu. I mean, look at me. My parents, my grandparents have always had a succession problem. I've had health issues all my life. My brother was born blind. I killed a rishi totally by accident. And yet, I'm paying such a huge price for it. And you and Madri are paying such a huge price for it. And to top it all, my parents always loved Dhritarashtra more than me. How's life fair? Kunti had no answer to this, other than to point out that things could have been much worse. We are together, aren't we? And we are going to come out fine. We'll raise fine children who could be emperors. With Pandu's reluctant approval, Kunti called on the god of death and justice. Pandu need not have worried. Yam was the opposite of what he had expected. Yam was wearing a party hat and scattered confetti all around. He addressed Kunti. Congratulations on your entry to the afterlife. Here's a welcome kit. Make sure you start with the So You're Dead, What's Next pamphlet. And here's a personalized name tag. We have ice cream socials with all the new arrivals every day at 5pm. And don't worry about being alone. Your husband will soon join you too. I've seen Pandu's name further down the list. Kunti interrupted him quickly. I'm not dying. It's not that kind of a call. Yam's cheerful face changed into a grimace. Then he said, Of course, of course. Now it makes sense why I don't recall seeing your name on the list. He picked up his phone and talked to his secretary. That's the third time this week you handed me the wrong code. Kunti wasn't looking to join us. She just wanted me for something else. You know, the mantra Durva's taught her. Off the phone, he said, Sorry, Kunti. It was a clerical error. Normally, my staff sees the name Durvas and they automatically go into initiation mode. Anyway, now on to the reason you've called me for. I assume you're familiar with this, seeing as you've done... Kunti hastily interrupted to avoid Yam revealing anything about Karna to Pandu. Yes, yes, I'm familiar with this. Let's begin. Not long after, Kunti gave birth to Yudhisthir, the eldest of the Pandavas. Technically not the eldest if you consider Karna. But, you know, Pandu didn't know about Karna, so I guess you could say that Karna was not a Pandav.
Yudhishthir seemed promising emperor material. Not something that was easy to tell, at the very young age of just two weeks. But Kunti saw an emperor in him, and that's what mattered. Over time, Kunti felt that Yudhishthir by himself would not cut mustard. Not for a lack of faith in his abilities, but she felt an emperor must have a support system. Brothers who obey him. I mean, look at Ram from the Ramayana. Lakshman was utterly devoted to him and gave up his own comfortable life to be with his brother. And without Lakshman, would Ram really have been successful against Ravan? Maybe, maybe not. It was debatable. Yudhishthir needed others like Lakshman around him. Pandu agreed, and this time Kunti invoked the god of wind, Vayu. The child that was born to Kunti was Bhim. Bhim was born with superhuman strength. The way his parents discovered it was accidental. Kunti had been sitting outside their little hut in the jungle, with the infant Bhim on her lap. Suddenly, out of nowhere, a tiger jumped in front and startled her. Besides jumping about a foot in the air, it had the unfortunate side effect of Bhim falling out of her lap and onto a big rock. The effect was unfortunate indeed, but for the rock, not for Bhim. The moment Bhim fell on it, the rock shattered into a thousand pieces. And just to be clear, the thousand fragments of rock did not harm Bhim in any way. The boy clearly had superhuman powers. Still, Kunti was not comfortable with Pandu using the baby Bhim as a tool to do miscellaneous house repairs. She had to remind him more than once not to use Bhim's hands as a hammer, for example. Both Yudhishthir and Bhim were born before Gantari and Dhritarashtra had opened the first pot and discovered Duryodhan. After a while, Pandu thought it might be a good idea to try and have another baby, just as a backup. And this time, Kunti could invoke Indra himself. Indra was the chief of the Devs. And he was happy to oblige. The child that was born was another boy. Pandu and Kunti named him Arjun. Observing all this from a distance, Madri was a bit envious. Talking to Kunti and Pandu, she managed to convince the pair to share Durvas's trick so that she could have babies too. Kunti gave it a shot. She invoked the twin gods, the Ashwins. And as you might expect, Madri soon had twins, Nakul and Sahdev. That bit of news made Kunti feel a little envious in turn. And when Madri requested that Kunti help invoke another god, Kunti flat out refused. She was worried that if Madri had another pair of twins, Madri's children would outnumber her own. And Kunti 
need not have a monopoly, certainly, but she wanted her children to have the controlling stake. All was going well, and the babies were slowly turning into toddlers. That's when tragedy struck again. Despite Madhuri's best attempts not to, Pandu ended up being friendlier than usual with her. I guess things like sharing a joke, playing board games together, set the scene. And when Pandu accidentally touched Madhuri in the middle of a game, he instantly passed away. Just as Kindama had predicted in episode 108. Madhuri was racked by guilt for something that was not at all her fault. She considered herself responsible for Pandu's death. She decided to go the same way as her husband, but not before leaving Nakul and Sadev up to Kunti to take care of. That's how Kunti ended up with five very young children to manage. She tried to run things by herself for a while, but it soon became apparent that this would not work. She needed help. She decided that the easiest way forward was to go back to Hastinapur. Pandu had been in self-exile, but since he passed away, it totally made sense to bring up her children back to the empire that Yudhishthir would one day rule. We'll leave it here. When we come back to the Mahabharat, we'll talk about the growing up that Kunti's and Gandhari children had to do. A few notes. Today's episode illustrates the chief problem that caused the conflict in the rest of the Mahabharat. The conflict over the question of who was the rightful ruler of Hastinapur. Should it be Duryodhan, because he was the eldest son of the current emperor? Or Yudhishthir, who was older and who was also the eldest known son of the last strong emperor? who had simply not been on autopilot mode like Dhritarashtra was. Technically, both Dhritarashtra and Pandu had been emperor at some point or the other. Who was to say which faction was right in supporting their prince? This happens often in the Mahabharat. There are no easy conclusions to draw. There is no good side and bad side. It's just people acting differently under different circumstances. There are grey areas almost everywhere. Check out the links in the show notes for the previous Mahabharat episodes. If you want to know more about Durvas, there are other episodes where we have talked about him before. These are also linked in the show notes. Check them out. In the next episode, We'll do a couple more Akbar and Birbal stories. We'll see Birbal answer complicated questions again. If you have comments or suggestions, or if there are particular stories that you would like to hear, please do let me know by leaving a comment or a review on the site sfipodcast.com or tweet at sfipodcast. You can also find me on Instagram and Facebook. Be sure to subscribe to the show to get notified automatically of new episodes. A big thank you to each and every one of you for your continued support and your feedback. The music is from purpleplanet.com. That's purple-planet.com. I'll see you next time.